Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Brett Rosenthal, the creator of this channel and the founder of the ArmorReport.com. I created the Armor Report for individuals looking to manage their own capital. But you value information and you understand the importance of learning how to get that information. That's what this show is all about. That's what the Armor Report website's all about. I'm going to share with you 30 years of experience managing capital, managing my own capital, and share the processes, which I like to call quantum mental investing, to help improve your performance and share the information flow. So quantum mental investing is a combination of quantitative algorithms, which is what we use to decide when to commit capital, when to take it off the table. And we combine that with a fundamental foundation, and that's the information edge that I'm sharing with you on this channel and on the website, thearmorreport.com, A-R-M-R report.com. You can see right down here how to subscribe to this channel and then take a look at the website and see if it's right for you. Are you that type of person who's trying to manage your own capital but sees the value of information and wants to learn how to produce that information yourself? That's what this is all about. So thanks for joining me again. For all of you who are coming back, it was a great week last week. Um, as I launch in, don't forget, if you like this, give me a thumbs up. You can see right down here where to subscribe. I'll take these things off the screen. Now, as usual, we're, we're going to go over the week in review, I'm going to try to hit on some topics, what happened last week, what I think is going to happen next week in the stock market. Okay, We're going to touch on the cannabis couch real quick. I'm just going to look at a couple things and tell you how I'm shifting capital myself. And um, we launched something new last week at the Armor Report. And I'm going to share with you how it went. The Armor Report, part of being an Armor Insider, a subscriber to the Armor Report, gives you access to a Slack trading room where all day we're sharing information together during the trading session about how we're managing capital. I like to say we're a community of analysts. All the Armor Insiders are coming together in a really interesting way, a way that I didn't recognize when I first started the Slack room. Thanks, Miguel, to giving me that idea. Um, where we've really become an army of analysts. And I like to say it's backed up by a tank division of algorithms. And that's how we're creating alpha for everyone. I'm going to share with you something that happened recently um, about that, about how an Armor Insider brought an idea into our trading desk that's made a lot of money for everybody. And it's that community that's really creating edge for us this year. And a happy surprise for me. I mean, I thought I would start this website to share information with you and teach you. And what I'm finding is it's coming right back. It's brilliant. And so I want to thank all Armor Insiders for making it such a rich community of information flow. All right. Um, and then of course, I'll always get to your Q&A. But what I want to share with you is we had the first week of our beta test of our 
Armor Day Trading Desk. What I'm doing is a two-hour YouTube video, invite only, right? You know, obviously, for Armor Insiders, for you to um, literally watch my screen, see the charts I'm looking at, watch how I trade. So you can learn really a simple process of what I like to call VWAP trading. I'm going to explain that a little bit later in the show. So before I delve in, let me explain. Of course, I don't know you. I'm not giving you investment advice. I couldn't. How could I do that? I don't know your portfolio, what your risk tolerances are. So what I am doing is sharing my own personal experience, what I'm doing in my own personal account, right? So obviously, a lot of these positions I own. Let's just get that out on the table, okay? So I'm trying to share how I do this. So you can learn over time. This is not about running out there and buying something because I talk about it today. But what I hope you get from it is here's where we're focusing. Now go do your own research. Part of the battle of investing is figuring out where to invest. There's so many ideas. And so what we try to do in the Armor Day Trading Desk and the Armor um, Slack Room Trading Desk and the Armor Portfolios is to help our subscribers focus on the right names. Okay, so let's jump in first to um, a thought about this week. Let's take a look at the, the, the pattern of the week. It's the S&P. I like to always start there. We have a new Andrews Fork. We're breaking out above this red line, right? So the whole pandemic is behind us in the market. Market's going higher. It just crawled up this line. There's nothing wrong with last week. It looked great. But here's this down day, and I just wanted to say this one thing. See this down day right here is Wednesday. Okay, market was off percent or, or more. I love days like that. All right, they give me an excuse to prune the tree. You can't possibly think everything in your portfolio is going to go up. We know that's not the case. You're not going to buy 10 stocks and all 10 go up. So the job of a money manager, you are the money manager of your own assets. Okay, so your job is to recognize the weakness and cut it out quick and stay with the strength and ride it as long as you can. That's the simple job of a, of a professional money manager. And when you're managing your own assets, you're the professional. you got to act like one. And it's not about hoping something might work and falling in love with a name. That is not what a professional does when it comes to managing money. It's about pruning the tree, taking out weakness, Focusing on strength. Okay, so that's what we did this week. So, um, give you just a quick example. Here's NVIDIA. Oh, maybe not. NVDA. Okay. Just to give you one example. Actually, maybe what we should do is share it on this chart here. I'm going to show you what I'm looking at on an O'Neill chart. Okay. Because what we were doing this week was cutting weak relative strength stocks and adding stronger stocks. So here's the consolidation in NVIDIA, okay? As you can see, it broke down. We owned NVIDIA right in here. We sold it before the breakdown, before the breakdown. The reason we did is we looked at the relative strength. When the stock is in an uptrend, as you can see, it's making higher lows in here. But the relative strength making lower lows, okay? you have a very negative situation called ABCD for danger, we call it, okay? And so 
even before the sell-off on Wednesday, we exited this position. Then we get into Wednesday and the market sells off. Oops. The market sells off. And what do we do then after the market sells off? So we cut positions out Tuesday. Then we cut out more. Oh, here's another. Take a quick look here. We cut out MA. Okay. MA had the same problem. Stock was going up. We owned it up here. We sold it before it sold off. Look how it sold off every day this week. How did we know that? Well, we weren't sure it was going to go down, but we saw the relative strength breaking down while the stock was going up. That's a negative. So how do you guys use this information? Okay. William O'Neill has a website. It's called investors.com. Full disclosure, I don't get paid by these people. Okay. They don't even know I exist. But I've been a subscriber to Investors Business Daily since I got in the business over 30 years ago and every iteration of William O'Neill's services. And I think the best book anybody new to this business should be reading is How to Make Money in Stocks by William O'Neill. I don't get paid for it. I'm just telling you the facts. Okay? And on the website, you don't even have to subscribe to some fancy part of that website. All you have to do is look at the free charts. They have free charts on the website, and it shows you the relative strength line. And you can watch. It's a simple tool. If the stock is going up, and the relative strength's going down, you know you're on borrowed time, all right? So what do we then um, add to the portfolio? This is an idea, okay? What did we add to the portfolio last week? Here's Twillo, okay? Twillo has a relative strength going up with the stock, right? So as the stock is rallying, Twillo's relative strength is rallying. See the difference there? Look at the RS line here, right? And then go look at MA again. Okay. RS line doing this. All right. So this is not a difficult tool. It's a simple tool. Everybody can use it. Investors.com is the website. Go check it out. Just find their chart patterns, the simple basic pattern. I don't even think you have to subscribe to anything to get a basic pattern. And it comes with an RS line. All right. Then I think for like $6 a month, you can subscribe to the basic service. It's not that expensive. And you get even more information that's valuable. Okay. So um, I digress. What we did this week was prune the tree, reinvest capital into stronger relative strength stocks, ended up the week having a nice Thursday. Friday was kind of a quiet day. So what's going to happen next week? Nobody knows. I'm not even going to begin to guess what's going to happen next week, but I'll tell you this. It's quadruple witching next week. This is a big options expiration this year, particularly because of the election. And so there was massive amounts of options bought that expire on the 18th of December. Whenever you get quad witching, it could be a crazy week but particularly when there's massive amounts of options expiring. I think I read somewhere something like 45% of gamma goes off the table on uh, next Friday. It doesn't mean the market has to go down, but it, 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 the whole market could skyrocket for all I know. But it should mean there'll be a lot of volatility, which is you know maybe even more than last week. And even that was kind of a little bit crazy. So 
you put that together with the fact that the VIX is going to their VIX is expiring on the same day, and you get the FOMC meeting, so the Fed's going to speak again next week. Now, I don't expect the Fed to say anything important or different at all, okay? But you have to respect when the Fed speaks, there could be increased volatility, okay? So all of these things are happening next week. And so what it means to me is you got to be on your toes. You have to prune the tree early. Things that aren't working, things that are weak, don't wait for them to implode on you. Recognize it. Protect your capital. Armor stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. I named it that because I wanted all of us to realize we have to begin by managing risk, and then you try to capture upside. And I think that most individuals do it the other way. Most individuals, and a lot of, a lot of questions I get from insiders, from you guys on YouTube asking me questions. It's always about chasing this $5 stock that's going through the roof. And that's not where you should begin your process of managing your own capital. Okay? You're an individual who wants to manage his own capital. You want to behave like a professional if you're going to do that. You see the value of this information, but you want to learn how to get that information. Okay, well, this is step one of that process for you here at the Armour Report, and it's to start by managing your risk. Think that way first, then capture upside. Okay, so next week, risk should be elevated. We can have a huge blowout to the upside in the market. That'll be great. I'm not saying to sell everything. I'm just saying be on your toes, cut weakness, okay, focus on strength. And then for me, my personal portfolio, I use hedging techniques. And the two that I use, and I'm not telling you to do this, I would never recommend you do the two things I'm about to say. I've been doing this for a long time, but this is for learning purposes, right? So over time, I want your mind to start thinking about how can I hedge my risk? There's really three ways to do it. You can raise cash to hedge risk and just say, okay, I'm going to carry 25% cash in my portfolio for a rainy day. The other way to do it, and I, what I tend to do now, is I use put options on indexes. I talked about this last week. We were at record lows on the put call ratio, back to the lows of 2011. What that meant was premiums were tiny on the puts, tiny. So you buy insurance when nobody thinks you need insurance and when it's cheap, right? Those things made money for me last week. I'm going to carry some puts on the NASDAQ 100, on the small cap index, okay? And on an intraday basis, every day I'm looking to short. Every day I'm looking to short the big indexes. Now, I, I recognize for in, individuals who are new at this, you don't understand the word shorting. You don't know how to do that. I'm not telling you to short. That's what I do. For educational purposes, I'll explain that shorting means I borrow shares and sell them into the market. And I buy those shares back cheaper, give it back to the company I borrowed from, in this case, Interactive Brokers, right? And I pocket the difference. Let me show you real quick how it worked on Friday. Okay. I'm going to go through a quick trade with you on... Uh, Let's do IWM on Friday. 
in our day trading room, we made money long in the morning. We made money short in the afternoon. Okay, so this is an intraday chart of the small cap index, IWM. It gaps down in the morning, rallies up, starts to sell off. There are many places here where you could short if you wanted to. What we were doing on our trading desk is putting a short on right here, on this bar right there. Okay? At 11.36, everybody that was part of our... Everybody that was part of our armor day trading desk that was watching the live feed, okay, recognized, I made it very clear, the short was on at this price, right? And in our day, in our, even our armor slack trading room, I made sure everybody was aware at the price, if it hit, we would be short as a hedge, simply as a hedge, okay? And then right down here, you can see this teal line, okay? And that's the average true range low of the day. And so what we did was capture profits from here to the ATR low of the day. And we booked all of our profits right in here. Okay. We booked about 20% when it hit the ATR. We held it as it made this pattern. We lowered our stops right here. And we were taken out on this bar booking the rest of our profits. Market went up the rest of the day. I look to do that every single day when I'm investing uh, uh, and when I have lots of capital committed long. I look for opportunities to put a hedge on the indexes. That was a nice day trade. We made some money. Some days the market implodes and it, it, it makes what is a terrible down day for everybody who's long a less terrible down day, right? I'm not hedging 100% of my risk. I'm hedging a piece of my risk, which allows me to dictate to the market instead of the market dictating to me. If I'm making money as the market's going down, emotionally, it's easier to execute your plan and your process. That's what I do. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm just sharing the education and the process. There are inverse ETFs that some people can use. Right? You can go buy an inverse ETF and it goes up as the market goes down. Right? I don't do that. I'm fully invested. So I'm not going to go on margin buying that. I'd rather borrow right, and go short. Well, I guess that's margin too. But anyway, I digress. Those are the things I did last week. All right. And what I'm saying next week is I'll be looking to intraday hedge. I'll be looking to own puts to protect. I'll be looking to raise cash. If you're new to the investing, then you don't want to do any of the first two things. You're not going to be hedging. You're not going to be buying puts. You don't understand how to do those things, and, and it takes time and, and um, a lot of research to get comfortable with how to do those things, okay? If you're an Armor Insider and you're watching me do it and you want to go along with me, that's fine. That's the whole purpose of the Armor Report, right, and being a subscriber. You get to watch that happen. But for those of you who are on your own managing your capital, what I'm saying today and what you want to do every day is prune the tree of weakness and carry a cash position if it makes you more comfortable. Manage your risk first. Capture upside second. Those are my thoughts for next week. All right? Uh, moving on. I wanted to share um, 
I have to get this off my chest. Look, I tell you guys all of my successes, and I'm going to tell you my mistakes too, my failures. And hopefully we're all going to learn from both. I came on this show weeks ago, months ago, and I said, maybe some of you remember this, when Disney was trading at $125 a share, $130 a share, I said, this is going to be the easiest reward risk setup of the year. We're going to look back 12 months from now at Disney and say, if we don't own it, like, how is it possible we don't own it? Because the reward to risk is so perfect. And I'm embarrassed to say it. I have to whisper it. But I don't own Disney. I don't get it. How is it possible I don't own Disney in size. And I want to share this with you because I think at the end of the day, first of all, we're never going to get everything. So step one is, you know, don't beat yourself up about missing something. Okay. There's a list a mile long of stocks that I've missed. And yet the net worth, my portfolio is significantly higher this year. Okay outperforming the S&P by a factor of maybe four times. And yet I missed Disney. So on the one hand, I mean, how upset should I be? I'm outperforming by a significant degree. But on the other hand, I can't stand when I could say something to you guys a few months ago and then I don't execute on it. It drives me crazy. Part of the reason I started the Armour Report just simply doing these videos on YouTube with you is to keep me honest, to make sure I execute on what I know, on the information I have. And I didn't do it. And I want to look at it, dissect it with you so we can learn from it, not do it again. So I asked myself last night, why, why don't I own Disney? And I can tell you that at the time when Disney was 125, 130, whatever, I was focusing on other things. And I, and for whatever reasons, I, I said, I'll get a chance at Disney. I'm going to be doing these things. And I didn't focus on what I really needed to focus on. And I think this is, my, this is what I'd like to share with you today. Crystallize my thoughts from last night. How do you decide what stocks to buy and what not to? You could have a list of 50. You can only own 10 or 20. How do you figure out which ones to own? I mean, you could own 50, but I don't think it makes sense. At that point, you may as well just buy an S&P fund. So what we're trying to do is create alpha by buying the right names. And I submit to you the very kernel of a decision should be made based on reward to risk setup. So you're going to have 10 names you're looking at. You love them all. You think they're all great ideas. Okay. What you want to do is make sure that you elevate to the top, the cream of that crop, are the names where the reward to risk setup is the best. Let me show you what I mean. Let's take a look at Disney. Okay. When I shared that information with you, it was right in here. I said to you all, the, the reward to risk setup in Disney is a no-brainer. Okay, it made a double bottom at the 200-day. 
okay? So right, right in here, even in here, right here was a double bottom right at the 200 day, okay? If you're putting Disney in the portfolio right here at 123, the stop is so obviously the low of the prior day, which is 120, what are you risking, a couple of dollars? The risk is nothing compared to the potential reward. So then Disney goes up, comes back down. So in that scenario, when it popped up, you would have raised your stop, okay? It would have come back down to break even, you'd be out. It would break down for a couple days and then recapture, make it another month-long double bottom. And right in here, as it pops back above the 200-day, you're buying Disney. Why are you buying Disney? Because the risk from here is minimal. So what? You pay 123, it goes back to 120. $3. It's nothing. But the reward is enormous. Now it's four standard deviations above the 200-day moving average. And so what I'm suggesting to you is when you identify an investment fundamentally that you know is right, and you identify a location on the chart using whatever you use, I use algorithms, okay? single stock algorithms tell us this is the right entry point. And we look at the stop loss and it's minimal. That's the trade to make. I'll give you an example of uh, the trade we got right, okay? Here's Illumina. We bought Illumina tight in the base. The reason we could buy Illumina here is a very obvious double bottom, tight in the base. The risk is minimal. We think the reward is a lot more than this week right here. We think the stock's, you know, ha has a huge run ahead of it. So we're buying tight into a base. I'll give you an idea of something we added this week. Teladoc. Okay. And we made money on Lavongo this year. We made money on Teladoc this year. The two companies combined, they've been digesting that entire uh, acquisition for the last few months. We're right at the 200-day moving average. We're right at the 50-day moving average. The stop is tight and it's obvious here. So the risk is minimal, but the reward, if this stock breaks out, we think this is the premier, you know, future of healthcare in America and the world. Okay. That's our fundamental opinion. The time to own it is tight in the base. Hey man, it breaks down, takes out the lows. I'm out. The risk is minimal. The stock breaks out from here. It could be significant. Okay. Now, let me share one other thing with you. I want to give you another piece of information. That's what this show's all about, information. I want to show you Disney, Pinterest, and Snap. What's similar about all three? This is very important. There are two, in my personal opinion, in the armor investing way, there are two buying opportunities in the life of every great idea. The first is before the news comes out, you buy it right because you're buying the reward to risk setup. It's so tight, you buy it before it breaks out. And the second is after the news hits. If the news is as, if the news is powerful, not any news, but I mean like game-changing news, and over time, you'll learn how to differentiate the two. But as an Armour Insider, I share with you, okay? I listen to conference calls. I've been doing it for decades. And I, I know when I hear something, it's totally changing the structure of the business. 
you know, when you have a new change that sets a whole new investor interest that brings in new institutional capital, right? When those events occur, you tight patterns. I'm going to show you what I mean. Let's look at Disney again. So the first entry is right in here. You would have owned it in front of the news, which was earnings, and earnings popped it out. But the next moment to own, and I'm not even sure, was that earnings or was that, um, I think that was earnings. It could have been the day that money poured into uh, economy reopening names. Yeah, that was the economy reopening name. That was, that was the day that uh, um, Pfizer announced their, their vaccine worked, okay? So it popped up. That was a big change. One of my favorite setups is to have a gap up, count one, two, three down days, and you buy day four. If the stock's going to work, you buy day four, and you use the low of day three as your stop. So you guys can write this down. It's something I've used my whole life. When you get a gap up, you let the stock go down for three days, one, two, three. If it's going to close the gap, it won't have an up day on the fourth. It'll just go down, bang. But if you get that reversal up on day four, you put the trade on, you use the low of day three as your stop. So again, you have a reward to risk setup that's ideal. If it takes out the low of day three, it's going to go close the gap. You don't have to hold it. All right. We could have bought this thing right here at 140 and change. That was the second entry point. And of course, it skyrockets. Okay. Now let's look at Pinterest. This is a, the biggest position in our portfolio. And I've shared this chart with you many times, but it's worth going over. Right here, we had a game-changing earnings announcement from Pinterest. It gapped the stock up. You could have owned it in front of that, right? You could have owned it right in here, tight base, using a tight stop. But it's okay if you don't. It gaps up on game-changing. Street was shocked. Can't believe they had that number move. You buy that pennant, it breaks out. Look how you could have done it again. Another game-changing quarter, total blowout. Okay, in this case, it went down two days in a row, went up a bit, popped back, touched the 25-day moving average, kept going. But this second entry point is not really what I'm talking about. It's this first one right here. It's the first, so there's two places to buy a stock, in my opinion. One, before the breakout of significant news, and two, after the significant news happens and a pennant is formed. Those are your two best opportunities. We did that at the Armour Report. So while we miss Disney, we own Pinterest, and the stock is one of our best performers this year. And then Snap did it for us. Same scenario. Snap popped up right here, built the pennant. We're long the asset in the pennant. We're making money on, pin, uh, on Snap. It's the same exact story as Pinterest. All right, now I'm going to, I know I got to wrap up here and get to questions, but I'm going to leave you with this thought. I want to thank the Armour Insider. This is the beauty of the Armour Report that I didn't even realize was going to happen. But Armour subscribers are a true army of analysts. And I want to thank the Insider. He knows who he is, who pounded the table on Snap. Okay? When Snap was trading... This is the power of a community working together. Snap was trading down here, and this insider told me 
asked me, Brett, what do you think of Snap? And I said, forget it. I don't have an interest in Snap. I don't understand what they do. I don't know why anyone uses that app, okay? But guess what? That's not a reason to invest. That's not a reason. So when the stock gapped up on earnings, this insider pounded the table again and said, Brett, look at it again, please, because I think it fits in the strategy that I had been sharing on the Armour trading desk, which is that we're building a portfolio of companies that are at the forefront of the new ad spend paradigm. There are certain companies that have targeted advertising that have higher margins because, because of it. And the people buying the advertising are having higher hit rates. So it's a win-win. And these companies are capturing a bigger piece of the ad spend pie and it's driving the stocks higher. It's got nothing to do with Snap's app that I don't understand why people do it. <laughs> That's got nothing to do with it. It's that Snap has a unique way of delivering ads to that community that creates higher ROI for their customers and has higher margins for Snap. That was the story. And I thank the Armor Insider for pounding that table forced me to listen to that conference call again. And then I heard it and I said, you're absolutely right. And we bought the stock that day and we've been making money every day. Not, not every day since, but you see what I'm saying. We've been making money all the way through here on the stock. And it's one of our best positions now. That's the power of an army of analysts working together and using a tank division of algorithms to tell us when to put capital to work when to take it out, and marrying that with the stop-loss discipline. It's very hard to pull the trigger on investments sometimes, fear, whatever. But if you reduce the decision to simply reward versus risk, what's my entry point? What's my stop? If the stop is only a couple of dollars on a $50 stock, so what? So you lose a couple bucks. But if you're right on the entry, upside's unlimited. That's the trade to put on. Now, if you're chasing a stock that's already up huge, what's your stop? If the logical stop is dramatically lower, then your reward to risk isn't right. It's not optimal, and you can't put that trade on. I don't care how much you love the idea. Because you're taking too much risk. So you put it on your whiteboard, and you watch, and you wait, your, wait on that favorite name until it sets up right where the reward to risk makes sense, where your stop loss is reasonable and the upside is unlimited. Those are my thoughts for today. Um, I'll get to your Q&A now real quick before I forget. Uh, cannabis, real quick. I know you're going to ask me that question, so let's just go over it. We pared back um, our positions a little bit last week on CGC and Kronos, which were our biggest positions. As you can see, they went right up to the fourth standard deviation above the 200-day made a little bit of a pennant. We pared back the position a bit. We still have these positions on. We pared them back, okay? And what we did was we just decided to rotate, you know, into um, some shares of YOLO. We already own MSOS. I wanted to own some shares of YOLO. Bottom line, I respect the guys who are managing the assets at advisor shares. I, I, like the diversification versus holding. We had big positions on Kronos and CGC. So we book 
profits on those positions, reducing our single stock risk a little bit, but we still want the same exposure to the cannabis space in our portfolio, right? So whatever, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, whatever your decision is on how much you want in cannabis, you have to think like that if you're managing your own capital. Think like a professional. Look at your portfolio. What percentage do you want in each investment endeavor? How much do you want in EV stocks? How much do you want in cannabis stocks? How much do you want in, I don't know, online gaming or whatever? And as you're building positions, don't get over your skis on one section. Your risk is too great, right? So anyway, we have a total that we want invested in cannabis. And what we do is move the pieces around inside that total. Let's just pretend it's 20%. I mean, whatever. So if I'm going to shave down some positions over here, I have room to increase positions here to that 20% level. And I decided to do it by adding a YOLO position, okay? These stocks are acting incredibly well. I thought they would have gone lower. I know you're all going to ask me this question about Growgen, so I'm just going to get it out, there, out of the way right now. They did a secondary at 30. The stock came right down to 30 and rallied off of it quickly. Am I buying the stock here? I'm not buying the stock here, okay? But I get exposure to Growgen through my MSOS position, and I think, they, I think my YOLO position. I have to look, but I'm, I think. So I'm going to have some exposure if this thing keeps skyrocketing. But if I'm going to buy the stock itself, I need more weakness in the stock. And I'm a bit, look, you guys know I don't, I love that situation at $3.50. So let's get that out there. I love the story. I get it. And we bought it at $3.50 and we made 300% on our money. Okay. And I booked that profit. And I'm just not willing to carry that risk right now. The management team to me needs an upgrade. So if I rotate that profit into other names, lower my risk, own some of these ETFs that I respect, the MSOS, the YOLO, I still get upside if the thing goes up. If the thing comes down, either I won't own it or I'll buy it at a better price with a better chart pattern setup. Also, we have a couple of high profile US cannabis names come in public. We saw Hydro Farms on, I think it was a Friday or Thursday. Hydro Farms sells their products through GrowGen stores and other stores. So it's not a competitor to GrowGen. But the more companies that come public like this, I think one reason GrowGen's up so much is that people say it's one of the only ways to invest in the U.S. MSO space without buying a stock that trades on the Canadian Stock Exchange. So as more companies come public in the U.S., I think GrowGen will be a funding source. People will sell their GrowGen to go buy HydroFarm. You see what I'm saying? Cut their GrowGen down to go buy HydroFarm. That's, that's a possibility. So you have a couple of these names that are up huge. IIPR, Innovative Properties, GrowGen. And part of the reason they're up huge is there's nowhere else to go for a lot of investors. And as more and more names come out and give you more and more places to go, it would just be logical that those names will go through a process of consolidation at the best, possibly they go down, but at the best they consolidate as money rotates out of those names into the new names. That's just how Wall Street works, okay? So there's my thoughts on that. Um, all right, thanks for your time today. I appreciate you guys listening to my ruminations, and now let's get to your Q&A.
scroll to the top. What do we got here? Mark Anderson, SPACs and IPO prices out of control. Nothing on PAS and new. Okay. How about Riot? Yeah. I mean, so um, I just don't invest in SPACs where these special interest, you know, um, setups. Um, there are some huge winners on them. Maybe I should focus a little more, do some more research there. Um, I don't like blank check companies. The armor investing way is a three-stage process. We build our whiteboard. How do I build my whiteboard of fundamental ideas I want to own? I do research. I get on conference calls. I talk to management teams. I can't do that in a blank check company. I have to like hope that what they're doing is going to work. It's like, it's just too much. I'm giving too much of my, of my hard earned dollars to somebody else to execute correctly. It just makes me uncomfortable. But as more and more of these things come public and some of them skyrocket, maybe I've got to focus a little more on it. I know an armor insider has been all over this stock right here this week, last couple weeks. And it's been a major success, which is this <clears throat> rare earth company, MP Minerals. And that started out as a spec, SPAC or whatever. Okay. But, you know, there was time to own this. I didn't have to own it when it was a plain blank check. I could have owned it somewhere in here as it was breaking out. We actually had a great day trade on this in the trading room, a live trading room. First thing, you know, we do it for the first two hours of the day and then the day trading's over. Here's an example. We put this trade in the portfolio on the second bar of the day. I don't know if you guys can actually see this because it gets a little bit um, hard to see. But on the second bar of the day, right here is where we bought MP. Went right up to its ATR high of the day, took a break, rallied again, put in a three-bar reversal. We were done on this trade. It was a really great, really great trade for us. And this is something that I'm sharing, you know, in the um, Armor Day Trading, on the Armor Day Trading desk. So it's a live YouTube feed just like this all day where you're watching my charts. And I'm just talking you through the day trading process. And it's, an, it's, a, it's a VWAP trading system that I use. VWAP stands for Volume Weighted Average Price. Okay? It's the real price, in my opinion, of where the stock is, is valued. Because huge institutions use VWAPs to execute orders. They only want to buy at the volume-weighted average price. They also use time-weighted average price, TWAPs. This is why certain times of day you'll recognize how important they are. And we use those times in our trading, 10.30, 11.30, 2.30, 3.30. These are very important times. And it's because... <clears throat> of time-weighted uh, of TWAPs, okay? But for the sake of this conversation, the VWAP is this black dotted line, so you understand what I'm talking about. Now, I use my own, this is an Armour algorithm called the PMP, Armour Price Movement Profiler. All these lines and whatnot are part of our algorithm that helps us trade. And this is what I'm sharing in the room every, uh, for the first two hours of every day. We get these setups. They usually happen in the first 15 minutes. We put trades on and then manage those trades to completion. So what we look for, as you can see here, this is um, that black dotted line is the armor VWAP. I call everything armor because 
I take basic off-the-shelf products like VWAPs and um, Fibonacci extensions, and we infuse them with a volatility component. So we think they, it makes them a bit more, um, uh, a bit more accurate. But it'll still work for you if you're using regular VWAP off the shelf. You just have to find the right VWAP that works for you. Anyway, I digress. So what we look for, this is the prior day right here. This is the close of the prior day. This line right here tells you that a new day of trading started. So at the close of this day, the stock price was below VWAP. What we look for is the price to move back above the prior day VWAP and above top day VWAP, which is the day we're trading. And that's the bar we buy. Okay, so we bought that bar as it popped above prior day's VWAP and today's VWAP. And then we traded to completion, usually using a three bar reversal as an exit. It's a really a simple trading system. One, two, three down bars in a row, the trade's over. There's not three down bars in a row here, so you stay with the trade. Okay. Anyway, I digress. Let me get back to your questions. Uh, Riot, okay, I've got nothing for you on, on Pan American. Let's take a look. We'll go through. Um, I'm not buying gold and silver stocks yet. And I told you guys this last week when they had a big up week, and I said, I don't care about one up week. It doesn't do anything for me. And now they're coming back down. What would start to do something for me is if we get a double bottom over a, you know, few weeks or, or a month or something like that that proves the 200 day is going to hold and then we get a risk on trigger point I might put that trade on where the reward to risk is right same thing with Newmont chart didn't work for me last week and then it just drifts lower this week okay I'm still looking at it riot I won't touch I think the management team is suspect. It's going to keep me out of the stock. All right. The CFO quit. No, the CEO quit a year ago. The CFO took over as the CEO and he's running both. He's, he's the CEO and the CFO of the company. I don't buy stocks like that. I can't, I need some checks and balances when I'm making an investment. Now, you want to trade riot, trade it all day long. You can make a lot of money trading it. I'm just not buying the stock. All right, OKTA or CrowdStrike on your whiteboard. Uh, Festeroso, absolutely, both are on the whiteboard. Let's take a look. We've been in and out of this stock. That was a great close on OKTA. We're going to have to put that really at the top of our whiteboard for <clears throat> OKTA. We're out of the stock right now. We might have to be back in it next week. Okay, we... We got shaken out of it this day right here on the down day, and we really could have put it back in the portfolio the very next day as it has a meeting bar reversal. If you're a candlestick and a charter, which I suggest you do some research if you're not, there's a book called Candle Power. It's on the website, armorreport.com. On the home page, scroll down, you'll see these two books that I recommend. Candle Power is one of them. You can click on the link. It'll take you to Amazon. But anyway... Uh, there's meeting bars right there. So it had a big down day. The very next day, it reverses higher, and it takes out the highs. I probably should have been in that by the close on Friday. I, I hope I don't regret that Monday morning that I don't own it. Okay? What we do have in the portfolio is Zscaler. Oops. Okay? 
We have Zscaler and we have CrowdStrike. Those stocks look great. And probably OKTA is the stock to own. Thoughts on QS from IDDoc? You're not the first person to ask me this question. Um, my thought on QS. Let's go look at it here. First of all, we needed to talk about QS before it skyrocketed. We didn't. Right? Um, so now what we have to do is, for me, I like the idea. I get the theory. Next generation of lithium batteries. We need to do research on it and look for the next setup. So following my philosophy that I'm sharing with you today on when to buy a stock, if you look at quantum space right now, you tell me what your stop is. Where are you going to stop the loss on this thing? Where? Where is a logical stop at this point? I'll tell you if it were me. Um, okay, first of all, it could easily close the gap and then still go up. So, what, I mean, what am I going to do with this? It could go all the way down here and it wouldn't be strange. I mean, you say, okay, it's a gap closure. You wouldn't sell it. If anything, I would buy it when it comes down to 60. If it sets up, I wouldn't just buy 60. I'm saying if it hits 60 and give me a set. But my point is, what, what are you going to do? Where's your stop? You know, the time to buy the stock is right here. It, really right in the base. But even if you bought this breakout here, there's a pennant that formed right here. And what you would do is, uh, this is what I would do. The armor investing way is to buy this right here. Mm -hmm. Okay, buy it right there. And the low of the day you bought is your stop. That's a reasonable stop with unlimited upside. If I buy it up here, I don't know what my stop is. It's, there's no reasonable stop. So the reward to risk setup is not optimal. I can't put the stock in the portfolio. But I do think we have to do research on it, get ready, maybe put it on the whiteboard. We have liftoff on Disney. I should have listened to you at 119. Right, Festeroso, right? I should have listened to myself at 119. <laughs> we'll get another shot at it. It's Disney. It's not going to run away. Was I on vacation? When do I post videos? I'm not sure your question there, brother. I post videos every single Saturday, and I haven't missed a Saturday in weeks. Maybe I need a vacation. <laughs> but um, so I post, you know, become a subscriber to this uh, channel, and you'll get updates. Every time I do a new you know, video, it'll show up. It'll tell you I'm doing it. So I would suggest you subscribe to this YouTube video, um, you know, the YouTube channel. So you cut some trades, Ray, at the end of the week, booking some serious profits. I love you did that. Well done. Well done. That's, that's the way to manage your risk, manage your success. Going into what should be a volatile week, you've taken some gains off the table. Smart. Fatty, nice. I'm, you were in that day trading room with me. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I mean, look, we made money four out of four days. You know, let's see how long we can keep that going. And we know at some point there'll be a down day. Matt, any thoughts on CrowdStrike? Matt, I love CrowdStrike. My thought is fundamentally brilliant. Technically, you know, um, 
the Armour Report owns this stock before the news came out. So we own the stock somewhere in here. And then it gapped up and took off. And we actually increased the position for some insiders in here. My own personal portfolio, I mean, I increased it myself in here. And so, um, you know, what can I say? I think it's a great looking chart pattern with a phenomenal um, growth potential. Okay, um, Brett, what do you think of Walmart? All right, let's talk about Walmart. Let's take a peek. First of all, if you think it looks great, don't let me talk you out of it, okay? So I'm going to answer based on what does the armor investing way think of the setup. So the first thing I do is I go to the relative strength. And what I'm seeing here in relative strength is a disturbing breakdown in relative strength. The relative strength is 54 and it's making new lows, right? It's lower here than it was here. Yet the stock is higher. That's generally a negative sign. And I try to avoid stocks where there are new lows in relative strength while the stock is at higher lows. Now, let's look at a different idea, okay, that I didn't talk about today, but maybe I'll go through this at some other point. Here's Philip Morris. Well, actually, let me, let me show you. The Philip Morris, the relative strength number doesn't matter to me. It's a 14. I get that. It's terrible. This is a turnaround story, right? So Philip Morris is breaking out of a major downtrend. Relative strength is rallying with the stock. See how it's going up with the stock, right? It's not making new lows as the stock is going up. How about AT&T? Relative strength, if you draw a downtrend on this relative strength line here, which is this blue line, you're going to see it broke the downtrend this actually ahead of the breakout. It broke the downtrend in this tight pattern and then blew out this week as, as AT&T popped above the 200-day. How about IBM? IBM rallying up, relative strength rallying up. Okay. And then I look at Walmart. Why am I showing you these charts? They're all big, you know, big stocks. Now, Walmart stock is up a lot, right? So you're saying, well, this is much stronger than the other names. It is, but right now the relative strength keeps me out of it. Whereas these other beat up names that nobody respects, we're starting to see a popping up of relative strengths, breaking downtrends as stocks are breaking out of what I call um, bottoming wedges. And so I'll just wrap up this thought here with, um, let's look at this. All right, so you have an uptrending channel in Walmart. There's nothing wrong with Walmart. I'm not telling you to do, I'm, I'm just sharing my own thoughts of how I run my money, okay? This is how I run my own money. I don't find, it, I don't find this compelling, but I do find buying a bottoming wedge very compelling. So we own IBM right in here, and it popped out of that wedge. You know, AT&T, right? Bottoming wedge popped out. I find that compelling. Philip Morris. Bottoming wedge. That's where I find it compelling. And all of those 
three names pay dividends of more than 5%. I think it's 5.1, 6.9, and, and I think it was 8% on Philip Morris. They all have a turnaround in process. So there's something new in each of those companies that's trying to turn the company around, and I'm getting paid a fat dividend to wait to see if it works. The reward's significant. My risk is limited. So that's where I'm going with, with Walmart-type dollars. I would go to those now. That's what I'm doing. All right. Uh, flip chart, flip, flip card IPO. You know, look, guys, please don't let me stop you from making your own investments. You're just asking me my opinion of what I do with my own personal capital. That's all we're doing on this show. All right. You're making tree references, and I'm selling Christmas trees. I'm not sure I understand the tree reference, but I'm glad you're selling them. Oh, trim the tree. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for whoever just explained that to me. I appreciate it. Trimming the tree. I get it. <laughs> All right. Um, Bitcoin are running TV ads. They're anti-gold. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not too worried that Bitcoin's going to replace gold. I'm saying for right now, the gold stocks aren't set up. At some point, they'll set up, and I'm not going to care about those TV commercials. You all remember the silver commercials as silver was skyrocketing every other day on CNBC, every other second, they were running silver, silver, silver. You got to own silver. You know? So now Bitcoin goes up and they start running Bitcoin stories. The ads don't matter to me. If I get the setup in the precious metals, I'll own them again. If I don't get the setup, I can't own them. That's all. Joe Black says, and nuance with relative strength. Let's take a look. N-U-A-N. Oh, oh, what a great pattern. That high tight pennant with a breakout with relative strength confirming. You're all over that one, brother. Well done. Blockchain ETF anti-gold. Wix chart. Look at Wix. Not bad, not bad, really. Tight pattern there. Tight downtrending pattern, double bottom. Now, here's the only problem with the double bottom, okay? What I want to see as the stock price is making a double bottom is a higher low in relative strength. And what's happened here is there's a lower low in relative strength as the stock is making a double bottom relatively at the same price. So that keeps me away from the stock. I want a higher low in relative strength. At the very least, I want it to be equal to what the stock is doing. I don't want the relative strength to be weaker than the stock itself. So that would keep me out of it. All right. Uh, AQB. I don't know that one. AQB. No, too small for me. I won't trade. I won't trade names that are this small, my friend. Good morning, Deb. Nice to see you. I hope you're having a great Saturday morning. Thanks for joining, as always. I always look to see what your questions are going to be. Nice to have you here. Thoughts on YOLO or any other cannabis ETF as a long-term dividend 
Thank you. Yeah, that's interesting. They do pay dividends um, because YOLO, I mean, they, they might own like um, Philip Morris in there with an 8% yield, you know. Uh, it's a nice thing to have. It's not why I own them, you know, but it's a, certainly it's a nice thing to have, right? What's the, what's the dividend here on YOLO? Well, yield is 3%. How much fun I get to own a cannabis stock and get a 3% yield. But um, let me say this, though, uh, Deb, don't. It's a little bit misleading, that yield. This is an actively managed fund. And the only way you get that yield is if the manager holds that position for the year at that allocation level. You, You see what I'm saying? Like he could... If you're not watching what he's doing, he might sell Philip Morris for all I know, and then you're not going to get 3%. So these actively managed ETFs and their dividend yields are not the same as an indexed ETF that you know will hold the asset for 12 months. Don't forget that. I wouldn't own YOLO for the dividend is what I'm trying to tell you. All right, Bruno's asking me to reconsider my stance on J-U-M-I after the last conference call. I have been long since single digits. Where would you be setting stops? What's this? What's the symbol on that? J-M-I-A, I think it is. Yeah. J-M-I-A. There's nothing wrong with that chart right now. I had those three nasty down days, and now it's recovered. The relative strength is recovered with it. Oh, where would I set up a stop? You've owned it from single digits. That's a very personal question, Bruno. You know, where to set up a stop is a very personal question. Let me... You could be a short-term swing trader or a long-term investor. I don't know which you are. So let me just answer it this way. I'm not telling you where to put your stop. I'm going to tell you where I would put the stop depending on the type of investor I would be. Okay? Let's take a look. So let's pretend I own this thing in the single digits. How would the, what would the armor investing way be? What would I be doing as an armor investing? Let's say I own the stock somewhere in here. And the stock broke out and it's running. Okay, first thing I would, have, I would have done, the armor investing way, is to book partial profits at the fourth standard deviation above the 200-day, which is this line right there. I think that's the fourth. Let's take a look. Yeah, it is. Okay. So I would have booked a little bit of profit there. It would have gone higher. Maybe I would have booked 10 to 20% of my profit there. It goes higher. Okay. Now it's making a pennant. So I would have already taken some money off the table. Now I have a core position I'm going to carry to completion using a trailed stop. This is the armor investing way. I could use the 14-day moving average, which, which is the most aggressive that the stock clearly is following up, right? So if the stock closes below the 14-day, I, I would sell it if I was an aggressive trader. Notice how it touches the 14-day right here, but closes above. So you're not out that day. And now it goes higher. But if it closes below the 14-day, depending on the type of investor I am, I would book the rest of my gain 
or I would book another 20, 25% of the position. Maybe I book 25% on this day. And when it breaks below the 14 day, I book another 25%. Now I'm carrying 50%. And depending on my opinions, uh, I'm going to use the 25 day or the 50 day for the, for the, for the other 50% of my position. If I'm a long-term investor that wants to hold something as long as possible and not trade it out, then you use the 50-day. If you're a swing type of a trader, you're going to use the 25-day. I hope that answers your question. Oops. Your question would be, New York Jets is asking me, what percentage do you hedge? Um, I'm assuming that comes from my discussion about hedging. What would I hedge? That's totally personal. I can't tell you how to hedge, you know. What do I do personally? On an intraday level, when I'm hedging using the indexes, I might be 50% hedged. Um, but that's incredibly aggressive, and I don't, I don't recommend people do that, okay? You have to figure out what makes sense to you, and my real thought for Armor, Insider, Armor Insiders and for Armor subscribers, anybody watching these videos, you don't have to use aggressive hedging techniques that I'm using. You could just simply start carrying some cash. You're just booking some profits and carrying a cash position. Cash is like a hedge. You're off margin, please, right? And now you've got a certain cash position in the portfolio. So what if you're carrying 25% cash, you're 75% invested, the market keeps going up, you keep making a fortune, but you're, re you're recognizing that we're getting further and further and further away from reality and there's air pockets beneath us. And so instead of waiting for that awful massive down day, you're already starting to layer in some cushion for yourself. That's all I'm saying on, on uh, uh, that's, that's the, hope, the hopeful takeaway from what I'm saying today. All right. Uh, as Disney is missed, are you still bullish on IBM? I, I couldn't be more bullish on IBM. IBM, AT&T, and Philip Morris, to me, are turnaround stories with a fat dividend. The risk is minimal. The reward significant. That's where I think we are on all three of those investments. Understanding the, the risk is minimal because I have a stop loss. If it takes out the stop, I'm gone. I'm out of, I'm out of IBM. I'm out of AT&T. It's okay, but the, the risk, it won't be that bad versus maybe those bottoming wedges are right. And this thing's about this. Over the next 12 months, we're going to look back and say, wow, those bottoming wedges were classic. And we picked up crazy yield over 12 months and the stocks are up whatever percent they're up. That's a conservative portfolio, those names, right? Yeah, Bruno, SDGR, great breakout. Let's show you the uh, day trading setup on that, on that breakout, classic day trade setup. All right, so here we are. Here's prior day's VWAP. This is SDGR on Friday, okay? So in this case, the stock is above the prior day's VWAP. Now, what I normally look for is a sell-off down to the VWAP, test, reverse, go back above top day VWAP, and it skyrockets. But sometimes what you get is an even stronger stock 
So this, the test was only one bar. Look at this. The test was one bar. It opened lower and immediately closed above VWAP on the first bar. You would be buying the start of the second bar. And even if you waited for the second bar to close, each bar is three minutes. So let's say 936 is where you end. You enter the position at 936 using a low of the, lar the bar you bought. Notice how all of these trades work immediately. So our stop is incredibly tight. If it goes below the low of the bar we bought, we're out. Okay, the second bar of the day is the, really the bar we would be buying on SDGR with a low of 69.08 as the exit. And instead, the thing just absolutely skyrockets. And where is the first three-bar reversal? Right here. Look at that. One, two. This is actually a four-bar reversal. It's a three-bar think. It's thinking about it. I wouldn't have sold right there because that, that bar right there is a question mark. Okay? A three-bar reversal is where each bar closes below the low of the previous bar's close. Right? So not the tail here. But no, notice how it did hit. So this is a down bar. This bar closes below the low of the, day, the bar before. This bar doesn't close below the low. So you give it one more bar. When it comes down here and takes out the low, I'd be out of this trade right there. And please note that it didn't go higher the rest of the day. And with the exception of this little run here, it just was done. The trade's over. Three bar, three bar, and in this case, it's a modified three bar reversal, what I would call four bar reversal. That, that's, that's the exit. These are the type of trades we ferret out on the Armored Day Trading Desk. And I share my screen for the first two hours of trading so you all can learn the process of VWAP trading. Microsoft, let's review it. Okay, what's the first thing you see about Microsoft after you and I have discussed this Okay. What's the first thing you see there, Alex, about Microsoft? The stock is in an uptrend going back to September 18th. Higher lows, higher lows, higher lows. What's the relative strength doing? Straight down. I mean, straight down. That keeps me out of the stock. You're asking me about um, Southeastern 99. You're asking me about these, these uh, blank check companies. And I think I've already answered that. I just don't invest in blank check companies. So I, I don't know what the target business is. I just can't do it. I just, there's just too many other places I'd rather go with money than, than, than give my money to a, a, a mergers company that's supposed to make an acquisition that's supposed to put stock up. I, I know there's some high profile ones that really work, but, this, this, this just isn't something I'm going to do with my money. And I'm, I'm missing major upside. I get it. There's a lot of money that can be made there. Go, go, go have it. I'll leave all that money to you. American Airlines. That's a bottoming wedge. I just don't have any interest in airlines. But it's certainly a bottoming wedge. So, Jay, it's just I don't like um, – I, I, just uh, Jay – I've never liked the airlines as a business. 
So at the end of the day, I'm looking for bottoming wedges that have um, a turnaround inside the company that I think is compelling. The economy reopening isn't compelling to me. It doesn't change the business model for airlines. If you told me the airlines are all coming with a new plane that gets you from New York to L.A. in an hour and the margins on that business uh, are going to explode for the airline companies, then I get interested. You see what I'm saying? Like, let's look at Philip Morris as a turnaround idea. It's a bottoming wedge. They just announced, the FDA just announced this month the approval for them to market a new type of cigarette, and they're able to say that it dramatically reduces your risks. It's like a heated, kind of what we know from the cannabis industry, where they heat tobacco at a level of 350 degrees. When you burn it, it burns at 600 degrees and releases carcinogens. When you heat it and it vaporizes at 350 degrees, the carcinogens are dramatically less. So they're now allowed to come out with a new product that carries higher margins, and they can tell everybody that it, 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 that it carries dramatically less risk than smoking a regular cigarette. And Philip Morris uh, Altria is at the forefront of that business. That's a compelling story to me. There's something new there that gets me, that says to me, geez, that 8% yield on Philip Morris is hard to ignore. What's new about the airlines other than the fact that the pandemic might be over? That's the way I think. AMD, I love it. What do I think of AMD? We own it. It's in the armor portfolios. Stock had a fine week. All the strength going up with the stock. Nothing to see here. I'm going way over our time. Um, travel industry, Sabre, no interest in travel industry for me. See, um, MedMen, I have no interest in. I don't like the company. I'm trying to rip through some ideas here. ASAN. Okay, I'll do a little work on that company. Don't know it. SBE. Blank check. Yeah, there's a lot of blank check companies going through the roof. I just don't own any of them. And, you know, maybe, you know that's to my detriment. I hope you guys are having a fun making money there. Hate big oil. Okay. Uranium, um, your thoughts on, Hey Brett, what do you think of AT&T? I, I love it. Absolutely love it. I hope I've answered that question already. Right. The AT&T with a six point something percent yield is a no brainer off of that breakout. UCRX. I'll have to do some research on that. Don't know BioChrist. Interesting looking chart pattern. ADAP. Don't like that chart pattern. Don't know what it is. <laughs> when am I going to play guitar? <laughs> you don't want to hear me play guitar, brother. <laughs> I just dabble, man. I just, my, my wife is the one who's the real uh, musician and she could play cello, make the angels cry, <laughs> but uh, not me. I just have fun. 
All right, let's take a look at now. Not bad, crawling up. You know, certainly like the business. They're certainly killing it, but I don't see an entry point here. Again, what's the reward to risk setup? Where's your stop on this idea? You know, if you're willing to stop it out real quick, if it doesn't work, that's okay. But where's the real stop? I don't know. This is a nice uptrend. Maybe the 50-day is your stop. All right, I'm going to sign off right here, but I want to thank the guy. Who was it? Which one of you? kept telling me, look at PACB, look at PACB. Who was that? Okay, because I did the work now on PACB last week. I know I kept saying I was going to get to it. I finally got to it. Um, There's PACB. All right. I'm not obviously buying the stock up there. But after listening to the conference calls and doing the research, it's definitely on the whiteboard. It's definitely a stock I want to own. I'm going to tuck it right in next to my Illumina position. Anybody telling you that Illumina is dead and this company is going to take over is totally incorrect, okay? The market is absolutely big enough for both of them. They're different parts of the market right now. And the CEO even said it. If you listen to the last call, he said they're, they're, not, they're, they're at least a couple years away from a product that might replace Illumina, okay? And who knows where Illumina is in two years? I mean, so these, both of these stocks should be owned. The CEO of PACB is an employee, is a, is a, up until taking over as CEO, he was working at Illumina in a major role. If you don't know the story here, Illumina tried to take over this company, I think a year ago. The FTC wouldn't let him take over the company. Then a year later, one of the guys that was inside Illumina leaves and takes over as the CEO. If you don't think these guys are collaborating, I mean, come on. Obviously, they're collaborating, and they're at different spectrums of the analysis process, and they're, they work together. They're going to be, there's going to be collaboration to the benefit of both companies. But I think the stock is way, way over its skis right now. Listen to the last conference call. The CEO said they are entering the expansion phase of their spending cycle. They are spending a lot on research, spending a lot on marketing, hiring a lot of people. They're not at the phase yet where their products hit that hockey stick acceleration of rapid ramp in, in, in margin business. They're not there yet. They're two years away from that. So, there's no reason for me to be chasing the stock here, but I put it on my whiteboard, start watching for the next setup, wherever it is, come down to the 50 day moving average and set up, build a pennant up here, whatever. At some point, it'll set up a base that I can buy and perhaps I'll buy it. But my guess is the next conference call, next earnings announcement, it's not going to be sexy. Their costs are going up dramatically. The CEO said it. So, you know, you generally don't want to buy a stock when the company's entered a, a phase in their product cycle where costs are going up significantly and revenue is not ramping significantly. <laughs> okay? <laughs> That's usually the time not to own a name. 
So people are carried away on this stock because the CEO comes from Illumina. And I see some analysts writing about how they're, they're eating Illumina's lunch. And everybody take a deep breath. Okay. Love the idea. Love the management team. I'll take my time and look for the entry. Okay, everybody, I appreciate your time with me. We've been at this for an hour and a half now. <laughs> we got to wrap it up. So I hope you all have a great weekend. Um, thanks for joining me, Armor Insiders. I'll see you 8.30 bright and early for the Armor Insider only morning meeting, getting us ready for the trading session. Have a great weekend, guys. Take care.